Welcome to the Next Level Business Podcast for entrepreneurs who are looking to take their business and wealth to the next level. All right, guys, welcome to the Next Level Business Podcast. This is Josh Pata here, and we have today with us. We have Shane Mara, and we got a special guest today, and uh, we appreciate everybody tuning in. We, we, we love doing this. And, you know, we talk about three things here. We talk about the three pillars. We've got business, we've got real estate, we've got stocks and bonds, and we, we believe in, in digging into all three, having great strategies in each one, being well-prepared, getting wise counsel, you know, we believe in uh, mastermind groups, which is essentially just the gathering of good, sharp minds with the purpose of keeping us out of a lot of dumb decisions. Right. We've all had those. I've had a ton of them. And uh, if I just would have had some wise counsel, I wouldn't have made those dumb mistakes. And so that's what we're here to do. But we're all here to grow. We're uh, we're all about, uh, you know, a growth mindset. We're all about accountability, pushing ourselves. We're about 10x. We're about pushing it as hard as you can. And uh, so today we've got a guy that checks all those boxes. This is a friend of mine. And we actually have a, uh, a real estate deal together, a development commercial deal. And I, I've always been impressed with Jack. He, he, he does all three of those categories. He's got an insurance company. Uh, he's, he's got some real estate and he's huge on the crypto side. You've been on that, on that uh, run for many years and you're looking like a genius right now. <laughs> but... Uh, we're going to dive into all of those topics today, but welcome to the show, Mr. Jack Clark. Hey, thanks for having me, Shane and Josh. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. So, you know what? One of the main reasons I want to have you on, because outside of those three things that you do really well, one thing that I've always been impressed with is how you manage your time, how you block off time. And you're a high performer because of that mindset that you have about not wasting time. And you're just super diligent. And I know as business owners, as real estate investors, we all struggle with this. I do. I'm a, I'm a big struggler with uh, with making sure my time is maximized so that I can be a high performer. And I want you to first go into your mindset and what you do in that regard. Sure. Yeah. And I, I think everyone's heard it before that time is our most precious asset. And it's true. I mean, we would all agree with that. But the, the way people follow through on that always strikes me as, as odd because, you know, a lot of people, they uh, they spin their wheels. They have the, you know, uh, the fireside chats, the the water cooler conversations. And I mean, I just I look at guys that get done, you know, two or three times as much as I do in a given year. And there are people out there that, that definitely manage their time better than I do. But it's just amazing because you see people that can sell, you know, two or three times, you know, other salespeople in a given year, but they had the same time. You see guys that, you know, launched two or three businesses in the same year that one guy tried to launch one. And we all had the same number of hours, but I think it always boils down to how those people manage their time. And so, you know, from a young age, I was sold on the fact that time is our most precious asset. And so I've spent, uh, I've spent years, you know, trying to develop that. And, and it is a skill that can be developed. And uh, it's not just laziness. It's not just, you know, you know, whatever. It's it's a skill that can be developed. And so I've read a few books over the years, but it's just something I'm always trying to fine tune because I figure if I can, you know, soak the most out of a year, then, you know, by the time I'm 50, I'll be a little bit farther longer, you know, farther along than the other guys. So, 
So how do you go about doing it? Yeah. So how far out do you block your time? Yeah, I've got my own little system. You know, so I, I read a book a few years back called First Things First by Stephen Covey. And uh, I mean, just a couple of timeless principles in that book on how to, you know, really break down your year. And uh, I think that's a must read for someone that's trying to get better at this subject. Um, actually, I'm reading a book right now called Getting Things Done by David Allen. It's a 300 page book on time management. And my wife was like, are you kidding me? Barf. And I was like, yeah, babe, I'm, that's what I'm doing this this week over Christmas break. I'm reading Getting Things Done. And so I've read a few others, you know, four hour work week. There's a book called The 12 Week Year. That one's game changing. Twelve week, The 12 Week Year is a good one. But, um, you know, I've, I've basically pulled principles from all these books and pretty much created my own little system that works for me. But, you know, to answer your question, I've got yearly goals like most guys, but, you know, I break those yearly goals down into monthly goals. I know where I need to be in any given month to be able to be on track for my yearly goals. And I don't compromise them. You know, a, a goal is a, is a, it's a, a true commitment to me. It's not just a a wish list of things I hope happens over the next 12 months. It's, it's a true commitment and I honor those commitments. And so, you know, I take those monthly goals, I break them down into weekly goals and then I've got a daily calendar and, you know, this system works for me, but I just, uh, I just try to stay, you know, on track and on target and, and I don't let too many things get me off track. So you will book out what six months in advance. I'm typically booked out six months in advance, pretty, pretty solid. And then I work about a month ahead and, um, and that's, that's kind of where I live. So your monthly calendar, you will go down and buy a daily planner at a office depot or whatever, right? Just a regular planner or do you got a special planner? No, I just, you know, simple monthly calendar gives me a good picture of the month. And so I know kind of where I need to be. I know my travel schedule. I know, you know, just kind of a bird's eye view of what's going on. And then uh, every every Sunday night, I uh, I make a weekly calendar and I pull what I need to. And, you know, I call it the big six, the top six things that I need to get done over the next week. And uh, these are big things. It's not, you know, take my dog on a walk. I mean, they're big projects. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I try to average at least five to six big projects a week. And um, and I get all the little stuff done in between all that. Um, you know, I, I get down to the whole, you know, people know their, their body and their energy and their rhythm. You know, I'm most effective during the hours of like 11 to three. So I get all the big, hard stuff done. in, in that time period, I do all sorts of administrative stuff, you know, at night after I've, you know, hung out with my kids and put them to bed. So, you know, my wife and I, we might throw on a movie at nine o'clock at night, but I'm doing paperwork for a couple of hours and it's brainless work, but it's stuff that had I done during the day, I just get, be, you know, behind on the big stuff. So. But you even have the the movie on your calendar, right? I don't have the movie on my calendar. I, I let my wife typically chooses the movie. So, but I, I get the most done when we're watching uh, the Notebook and and stuff like that. I mean, I'm the in Hallmark a Hallmark movie, yeah, exactly. <laughs> One of those mindless movies. You can just do whatever you need to do and make her happy at the same time. Exactly. I'll tell you, Shane. Though you know, a lot of business owners and and just people in general, I think they think of the subject time management, and and their stomach gets nauseated, and they're like, "Man, I don't want to push myself to be that efficient." And, but it, it, it's it's not that. I don't work with uh, with anxiety. I don't I don't put so much pressure on myself that I feel like I'm you know always behind. Um, but I do work with a sense of urgency, and I think there's a big difference between working uh, with anxiety and then working with a sense of urgency, and so. Um, I give myself deadlines, but I do that because, you know, I want to be that guy that's still, you know, present with his wife and still hangs out with his kids. And so 
from the time I wake up until the time I stop working, which is normally six, six thirty. I mean, I'm pounding it. I'm pounding it hard. I don't let anything stop me. I, I minimize distractions because by the time I get home, I want to be present with my kids. I've seen those guys that have worked the 80 hour weeks for 10 years and they've lost their families. That's not going to be me. And so, you know, I, I run hard. I run really hard from the time I start until 6.30. And then uh, I have a lot of family time. But from 9 to 11, I still got a couple hours to get other stuff done. And uh, quite honestly, even in those, you know, 9 to 10 hours, if people are using their time properly, avoiding distractions, focusing on what really needs to get done, my 10 hours is probably the same as most guys' 15. And so I'm still working an 80-hour week, even though I'm only putting in 55, 60 hours. Man, you've said a lot of beautiful things, and 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 I want to make sure, you know, one of the big things about learning is repeating, right? Mm-hmm. And so you said so many good things in there, and I just want to repeat, I want to touch on some of those things. You said a goal is a true commitment for you. I've never heard that. That's a really cool phrase right there. And uh, you talk about you have a big six list that you put on your calendar on what, Sunday? Yes, sir. And it's not, these are projects. These are big things. This isn't walking those poor little dogs that don't get walked enough. Uh, and, and and you do admin stuff at night you said yeah. you don't do that during the day i can't do it during the day it's just the time suck it's it's just uh it, it's the easy it's the path of least resistance and i think so many guys it's so easy to get caught up in being busy and you know the difference between being busy and being productive but it's just it's such an easy trap and and i've just built the discipline to not let myself fall into that trap because we've all spent three hours doing something and, and not really moving the needle forward. And I just, uh, I quit doing that a long time ago. I, if, if I'm going to take time away from my family and if I'm going to go do a job that sometimes I don't like to do, I'm going to get the most out of it in the least amount of time and, and move on. So here's my question. you got a project that you don't really want to do. Yep. How do you get started on that project? Is it, for me, it's like mowing the yard. I never want to mow the yard, right? Yep. But once I'm pushing the mower, I don't mind it. It's kind of nice. It's yep. relaxing almost. So how do you push through that barrier when it's a project and something big that you don't really even want to get started? Two things. So one of those books, The 4-Hour Workweek, one of the best principles I pulled out of that book is giving yourself an unrealistic deadline, a deadline that's so outrageous that your brain almost has to switch into a whole nother gear to make it happen. So a project that you would think might take six or seven hours, I mean, you give yourself an unrealistic deadline of, I got to get it done in 90 minutes. That's it. I got 90 minutes to knock this thing out. And I'll tell you, this doesn't happen every time, but at least 6% of the time, my brain just flips a switch and I hit a whole nother level. And something that I thought would take you know, a really long time, I can get it done in 20% of the time. But that's, that's the first thing. But the second thing is um, I live in the uncomfortable. I live in a state of being uncomfortable and so many people, business owners, you know, everybody else, um, they just, they don't want to do that. They want to live in a place where it's just easy and it's comfortable. And so for a long time, I've developed the habit of doing the things that I don't like to do, of doing the things that make me uncomfortable, the things that, you know, scare the living daylights out of me. I will tackle those things first. So when I say 11 to three is like my prime time, when I have a big project like that, that I'm just trying to avoid, I schedule it right at 11 o'clock. I give myself some unrealistic deadline and I tackle it. And, uh, and normally it's not as bad as I thought. Uh, I typically get it done, you know, in less time than I thought it would take me. 
And when that's out of the way, I feel so much more motivated to tackle all the rest of the stuff that I enjoy doing. And it goes a lot faster. Brother, you are spewing some wisdom right now, man. I love it. Well, this is it's some awesome. good stuff. The people are going to just absolutely enjoy this. We're going to share this because everybody needs to hear what you're talking about. Everybody. I'm getting motivated listening to you, bro. That's why we're here. That's why we do this. We'll go get the lawnmower out after we. I'm going to go get the lawnmower. It's it's 7 o'clock at night. I'm going to go get it out. It's pitch black. But I'm gonna you, go change it. It. you change your fuel filter on there? <laughs> I don't change know how. I'm going to get Jack to show me. That's funny. <laughs> so, so, yeah, man, I, I like the, the point that he uh, you made about um, most things are not as hard, you know, like applying for SBA loan. And it's like, ah, oh, I've got to get all these documents. And I just had to do that. And like, luckily, you know, from the last SBA loan, I learned to like organize all the documents and I just knocked it out. But it took me three days to get to that point that, okay, I'm going to time block, uh, you know, time to get the stuff over to the bank. And, uh, you know, it wasn't as hard as I thought it was. So I like that. And most of the time when you delay stuff, you know, it's not as bad. So that, that's a great point there. So when, when you're in this 90-minute mode, you said when you give yourself an unrealistic expectation, you're working on a fairly big project. Do you have the computer off? Do you have the phone off where you're just in the zone? Absolutely. So that, that's Absolutely. one of the ways you eliminate the distractions? Yeah, there's a book called Deep Work that talks about that. But yeah, I mean, if you're tackling something like that, you can't have any distractions. And and I've I've kind of grown used to working alone in a you know pretty quiet environment. And you know, I'll, I'll turn the phone off and email notifications, and and I'll just you know, go go to town. I call it my nasty ninety, and I do about two to three nasty nineties a day where everything's turned off. And for ninety minutes, I I sprint like a madman. And, you know, you do two to three of those a day. That's, you know, four, almost five hours a day. That's 25 hours a week of hardcore just getting stuff done. And, I mean, you're really conquering at that point. Yeah, and you're getting the stuff done that nobody else wants to do and nobody really does. Yep. And so you you had another good point. Like you put in a hard 55 hours and it's like a normal man's 80. And it's probably a normal man's 120, to be quite honest. It's probably – two or three weeks of what a normal guy does. And mm. I can attest to this. You know, we, we bought that building together. You know, Jack was a bulldog. I, I honestly, I've never seen somebody on it the way that you were on that project. And we, we've got two other partners on that. And I was just absolutely blown away. And I would constantly tell him, I'm like, dude, I've never seen anybody like Jack. This, this guy's incredible, man. It, it doesn't matter what you need. If you're an owner and you need a team, you want Jack Clark to lead that team because he's well, going to get stuff done that nobody else even thought about getting done. But yeah. you, you, so do you have anything else to, uh, to talk about the time management? Any, any other, what are some of the, the things that you see people uh, not doing that they could do or some of the mistakes that most people make that does not allow them to get as much done as they could. Two big ones. And I think it'll throw you for a loop. Number one is not spending time with family. And so I think when when guys, especially when when they pour everything into their business and they're putting in the 89 hours a week and they're traveling, you know, two to three weeks out of the month, you know, maybe, maybe occasionally that's necessary. But I think if you've bought the lie that that's required to build your business and you've got to put in that kind of time over five to seven years, 
Um, if you've bought that lie, you're choosing to sacrifice a lot of other things that are going to matter so much more down the road. And so I think I've seen the guys, I've met the guys, I work with the guys that have sacrificed their families for a business. And, you know, they make, you know, 10, 20, 50 million dollars. And who's that money going to go to one day? It's going to go to their kids, but they never spent time with their kids. So the kids are going to squander it. And, and that's what happens. And I see it all the time in my insurance business. Most of my clients now are in their 60s, 70s, 80s. A lot of them are passing away. And I can tell the ones that had a relationship with kids when I'm calling the beneficiaries. And I can tell the ones that didn't. And the ones that didn't, that money, they don't care about the money. If they get it, they're going to blow it. And, uh, and I just I see the big picture. And so I think uh, I think when people choose to you know value what's most important, it'll give them that sense of urgency during their their business hours. And, um, you know, when people don't have that sense of urgency, it's easy to just be lackadaisical and do the you know path of least, least resistance. And so, number one, I think I think people ought to choose to make time for the things that are you know, truly way more valuable down the road. And then, um, and number two is, uh, is take a day to rest. You really got to take a day to rest and, you know, you can still put in an 80 hour week if you had to in six days, you know, six, 14 hours a day, that's 84 hours, but you don't need to work the seventh. And so I think people need to habitually schedule rest in their schedule. You know, the Bible talks about a Sabbath day where it's just set up, set aside and you're not, you know, going crazy. Um, but even in the middle of the week, I try to play golf at least, you know, once every other week. And that's just the turn the brain off time. That's just the, hey, I need to recharge a little bit and and uh, still feel like a human and not a machine all the time. So um, I think I think a lot of guys in the name of being productive, they they're really just being too busy and they avoid, you know, resting and and spending time with, you know, people that are important and they're going to matter, you know, 20, 30 years down the road. Yeah. And I would argue that the ones that work 80 hours a week, if they got on the Jack Clark plan, <laughs> they, they could compress that 80 hours down to 55 and still have the time to do everything else, but still go chase it like an 80 hour work week, like you said earlier. Yep. So Jack on, uh, so you said on Sundays, you prefer to use pen and paper to do your time blocking or any apps that you use? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I use a, a pen and paper monthly calendar uh, when I come to the week. I mean, here's here's my week for this week. So I, I this is my, uh, you know, the big six things I want to accomplish. Um, I just really schedule Monday through Wednesday. My wife said she'd kill me if I work Thursday and Friday this week. So <laughs> I'm honoring her wishes. Uh, but I do have a closing on Saturday. So I'm closing on a refinance for one of our rental properties and and so, uh, but I, I stick to this thing and it, it goes with me everywhere I go. This is always on me, but, uh, pretty much everything that's here, you know, I, I break it down. Uh, it's, it's, it's in my phone on a daily, on a daily schedule. So I don't, I don't have, you know, 40 tasks written down for Monday, but those tasks are in my phone. And, uh, the night before I will, you know, look at my phone and I'll restructure that stuff and I'll reorganize it as I need to. So that when I wake up the next morning, I know where I need to be, you know, what I need to do. And, and I'm just ready to tackle the day. Nice. And so at, when you go to bed at night, you generally lay out your schedule for the next day. You you probably already have it planned, but you familiarize oh, we, yourself with yeah. it at night. Exactly. You know, we don't always get what we need to get done in the given day. Sometimes stuff rolls over. Sometimes stuff's not important anymore. But, you know, just keeping tabs on that and making those slight adjustments every day. And I get what needs to get done, you know, in the time and, and uh, some of the stuff, you know, ends up not not needing to get done. And so 
but yeah, just staying on point every day and, and making those adjustments. It's all about execution, though. So you can have the best plan in the world, but if you if you don't have the discipline to execute it, it's just it's just a complete waste of time. Nice. Let's switch gears. Talk about real estate. Well, since you brought that up with the refi, uh, Shane, if you cool with that. Yeah, let's do it. All right. So Jack, how'd you get started with real estate? Where are you now? So, uh, you know, I read a couple great books, you know, we've all read, uh, you know, rich dad, poor dad, and some of those follow-up books. And, um, I'm so grateful that I got a hold of those books when I was, you know, 19, 20 years old. And so all the, all the young guns on this call, you, you got to start thinking with a you know, longer term perspective and, you know, grab some of these books and, and read them. Uh, I talk about building your, you know, financial intelligence. That's actually what Robert Kiyosaki talks about. You know, we've, we've heard IQ, we've heard EQ, but, but there's an FQ and, uh, you know, we got to build our financial intelligence over time. And so at a young age, I understood, you know, the difference between an asset and a liability. And I wanted more assets as I grew older. I told my mom when I was 21, I said, Hey mom, for Christmas this year, I want assets. I don't, I don't want, I don't want stocks. I don't want, uh, you know, <laughs> I want an assets. And she's like, what does that mean? And so, uh, but yeah, the way we got started, my wife and I, we bought our first home uh, at 23, um, but I knew that I wanted rentals. So I bought a house that uh, not only would have good resale value, but would convert into a rental. Mm-hmm. And so a couple years later, we moved out of that house, bought another one and converted you know, the first one into a rental. And, uh, and we did that uh, three times. So we moved into homes and uh, as our personal residence. By doing that, we didn't have to put 20% down for investment properties. We were able to put down as little as 5 to 10%, you know, save our cash for other investments. And so we've moved into three homes that we've turned into rentals. Um, I got 15-year notes on most of them at uh, super low interest rates. And uh, most of these properties are now cash flowing at a good rate, even with 15-year notes. And, and, um, and so that's been, that's been good. And, and I will add those properties. I was... I helped you on the banking side just a little bit. I got to see a little of the backstory. Those houses all have tremendous equity in them. So not only is he paying them down on a 15-year note at, at massive clips, but the appreciation that we've had, you know, we've had a massive run-up in the past five years. He's got a ton of equity in all those rental properties. And that's a great strategy. That's a great point. I just want to be real brief on that. If you have a primary residence, FHA will do as little as 3.5% down. A conventional loan will do as little as five. So you can move out of your property, turn it into a rental, and you have no no out-of-pocket now on that rental. You know, if you do a normal rental, it's going to cost you 20% of the bank. That's a, that's a big, heavy chunk, and that's a deal killer for most people on, on investment property. But if you turn your primary into a rental and you go buy a new primary, you can do that for as little as 35 to 5% down. So uh, that, that's a great strategy that you did, Jack. And for me, it's all about, do you have the cash to do that? Right. Some people like they might have a hundred grand sitting in this house and they've got no other cash in the bank. And unfortunately they, they've got to sell that house because they don't have enough cash in their bank account, but you were smart. You stocked, you stocked away all this cash that that wouldn't be an issue. And then you did that three times is brilliant move. So, Jack, each time you bought a, a, a new place, was it a little bit bigger than the last place? It was. And, mm-hmm. uh, you, the last, you know, we we need a bigger place for the family. And but we always bought homes with the mindset of, you know, what's going to make it a great rental for later. And so right. we bought homes with, you know, hardwood floors, vinyl floors, not having to change a lot of you know carpet over the years and just good layouts and good districts, you know, school districts, desirable homes and. 
And uh, I've had one property that's had the same tenants for nine years. One's had the wow. same tenants for five and one's had the same tenants for uh, three and they're about to sign another two year lease. So um, I give them Christmas presents every year. As far as I mail them a card, when, when a tenant moves in, I've got a big, you know, thing of flowers and, uh, you know, moving gift, hundred bucks. Hey, go, you know, go get dinner on us. And I mean, we, I, I, I enjoy relationships. I value relationships. So I don't mind getting close to tenants and I actually enjoy that. And, um, and I take good care of them. And I think in return, they take really good care of our properties. Have you, now the the counterpart to that is like if you get too close and they come to you with the sub stories or anything like that, uh, have you ever experienced like that anything like that? And did COVID uh, did you offer anything to them from COVID? Did they struggle during uh, the you know what's going on yeah. now? Yeah, about eight years ago we had to evict um, one of the uh, one of the tenants, um, and uh, and they they had been you know good, but he switched jobs two months after signing the lease and. And uh, it was a bad move on his part. So I worked with him as best as I could, but we actually avoided eviction just based on the relationship. And I said, Hey bro, like I'll give you, I'll give you 60 days to get out and, um, and we'll, we'll settle, you know, that way. And and I'll just keep your deposit. And so he was cool with that. He parted ways. Um, but yeah, just, just recently the tenant that's been there for nine years, um, he, he fell into some tough times this year with COVID. And so, uh, April we said, Hey, don't worry about your rent in April. We took care of that. And then, um, and then November we did the same thing. And, um, and so we'll see what happens, you know, here in the next two to three months, but those guys have been so good for nine years. And I mean, he treats it like his own home. And so it, it was, it was a good deal. Nice. And yeah, I I just recently sent a basket out to my tenants as well too. I I don't know where the stigma came to where it's always has to be like a war, you know, like I, I see a lot of the successful people, uh, you know, with their rental properties and stuff. It's like, Hey man, just treat them like normal people, take care of them. They'll take care of your stuff, you know? Yeah. And, and you hit it on the head, man. Business is all about relationships and we don't think of real estate being about relationships, you know, especially with our tenants, but I like what you just said, where you build a really good relationship, even with your tenants and you'll be the first guy that gets paid, you know, when you build that kind of rapport. So, uh, that's another good word there. How long, Jack? I, you, I noticed you just said that you do two-year leases. Is that your minimum? Do you do a year, or are you just doing two because they've been there for so long? Most guys start with a year, but if they really like the place, I'll offer them uh, the option of signing longer leases. And over the last three or four years, I've had a couple of people prefer that you know longer option, and I'm I'm okay with that. Okay, and then you give them a discount. Uh, I yeah, so. With with a, a, a family uh, two years ago, um, they were paying nineteen hundred a month in rent. It's a it's a pretty nice home, five bedroom home, uh, you know about a two hundred eighty you know thousand dollar home, and they were paying about nineteen hundred in rent. And I said, you guys can sign a one year lease at two thousand a month, a two year lease at uh, nineteen seventy five, or a three year lease at nineteen fifty. And they chose the two year lease, and and I was totally fine with that. Okay, I like that. And do you have a certain time that you like to do the lease? Like, do you like to start and end them during the summertime? Do you have a preference on that? Have you seen? I think it's just whenever they moved in and then we just go you know, year by year based on that date. Gotcha. Awesome. And uh, you said, do you do anything in the stock market or no? Actually, let's talk about Amazon, your new product. Yeah, let's switch gears. So again, we talked about Jack has become an inventor. I don't know if I said that early on, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, his dad was an inventor, mm-hmm. and I don't think you ever thought you'd be an inventor either, did you? 
Never. Yeah, so you weren't you weren't thinking along those lines, but it just magically happened. Talk about your invention and talk about how you got it to market and uh, what you're doing with that. Sure. So uh, in, in hopes of adding value to the listeners and not just, you know, promoting what we're doing. Uh, two years ago, one of my kids fell out of a shopping cart and busted his head on the ground at Target. Uh, the employees started, you know, running up with all these, you know, waiver forms, sign this, sign this. And you could tell it won the first time it had happened. And uh, my wife was pretty shooken up. And and uh, and then six months later, it happened again. Same kid happened again, different store. Uh, he had been buckled in. We're not neglectful parents. He's just, you know, turn your head for two seconds and accidents can happen. Uh, we did some research, found out that 24,000 kids each year go to the ER from shopping cart accidents. Wow. Uh, 50,000 get hurt. They just don't go to the ER. And so we were like, we're not the only ones. This happens to other people. (laughs) January of 2019, um, my wife and I believe that God gave her this idea for a little contraption for a shopping cart that would help keep kids safe and entertain while parents are shopping. And so uh, my wife and I believe that God gave her this idea. Uh, We spent February the entire month praying and fasting about, hey, is this something we ought to pursue? Um, Seeing my dad as an inventor, I know the workload. I know the, the, the mountain of a project that it is to take an idea from concept to market. And so uh, so we wanted to make sure that this was actually something that, you know, we felt like, you know, God God actually told us to do. It wasn't just a little side hustle that we were looking to you know put together. And uh, and as of March of 2019, we felt like, you know, it was something we were supposed to pursue. And uh, and that we did. And so, um, you know, I knew this was going to be a beast of a project, uh, but it's turned out to be an even bigger beast of a project. You know, we (laughs) we originally thought that it'd take about one hundred and fifty grand to launch this thing. And uh, it's taken about two hundred fifty thousand dollars to launch this project, and uh, but we have worked with design engineers, and we filed patents, and filed trademarks, and secured manufacturing overseas, and in the midst of all the COVID, and I mean we've we've done focus groups and surveys and market research and all this stuff, and in the midst of that, you know, I've been a pastor on staff at a church, and I've got my insurance business, and I manage the real estate stuff, and so you know, it's definitely put those time management skills to test, but it's been the biggest, hardest uh, business project that I've ever pursued. And uh, and it is stretching my faith in a level that I had never thought possible. But uh, we are pro buggy huggy. It's called the buggy huggy, B-U-G-G-I-E-H-U-G-G-I-E. And, yeah, both of those are I-E, not wise. That's right. Buggyhuggy.com. That's right. And so we uh, we just launched, officially launched on our website about two months ago. We launched on Amazon a couple of weeks ago. And uh, we're about to get in the Dallas World Trade Center. We uh, leased out a permanent booth. Mm-hmm. And so we'll be going to all their markets and shows in 2021. And uh, and next year, probably the next two years, it's just about really getting this thing off the ground and, and seeing what it can do. Hey, and I can attest, you know, uh, Jack is such a class act. So, you know, you, you've been through all the hard work and, and you got all these people lined up in all these different areas, right? You got the marketing strategy, you got uh, the patent attorney, you got all these people. And so over Christmas or no, no, no it wasn't over Christmas. It was a couple of months ago, October. Uh, October, you had all these people together and I got a chance to be in that room with him. He had his investors there and he had booked a, a giant U shaped table at what was it? Ruth Chris. Uh, three forks, three forks. <laughs> and he, 
he just did an impressive job. So even that was just such a class act. He bought the bought the meal for everybody, had everybody there, just thanked everybody for being a part of the journey of Buggy Huggy. He made he created a little book with him and his wife and 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 just the process. And so I can just attest, man, everything you do is just it's class all the way and just an impressive guy. Well, thanks. Yeah, our biggest our biggest goal in this, uh, yeah, we want to build a, a successful business for sure, but our heart is truly ministry, and we hope that uh, this is creating a platform where my wife especially can minister to moms across the country, uh, especially moms that struggle with uh, just mom guilt. It's a real thing, insecurities, doubt, shame. Uh, so she just wants to build a super life-giving brand that speaks hope and encouragement to moms across the country. We hope to put on some big mom conferences maybe two, three years from now and uh, just empower moms to live out their purpose, even in those seasons of you know mundane you know, changing diapers and doing laundry. And, and uh, hopefully we can eventually expand to, you know, just speaking into families' lives and, you know, dads and parents, but our heart is people. We love people. And, and um, you know, that we hope that this is something that, you know, can really pour into a lot of people's lives. Well, Jack, you're a class act, brother. We have had a rapid fire session. I think people are going to have to go back and listen to this two times, maybe three to get the full impact, especially, especially on the time management stuff. Uh, the website is buggyhuggy.com. Both of those words are IE. And, bro, we just want to thank you for being with us and sharing your story and giving these people some wisdom that they can chew on. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Awesome. Thank you for being on here. Thank you for tuning in, guys. Uh, make sure to check us out, nlmastermind.com. Uh, feel free to call or text us. Uh, there'll be a link in the uh, note section. And uh, let us know what you want to hear, guys. We love hearing from you, getting feedback, and take care. Thank you for tuning in. See you, everybody.